Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. You talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another Words and Nerds podcast episode where we bring literary goodness to your ears wherever you are. Today, I welcome Sarah Armstrong. Sarah is an award-winning journalist, winning a Walkley Award. She was also a researcher and producer at ABC TV. Her first novel, Salt Rain, was shortlisted for a few awards, including the Miles Franklin Award. Very impressive, Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about Big Magic, a children's book. Welcome, Sarah, for the first time on the podcast. Thank you so much, Danny. Really nice to be here after listening to it for so long. <laughs> well, you should be expecting all the questions I'm going to ask you, including the first one. What's the elevator pitch? Ah, oh, the elevator pitch. <laughs> all right. So Tulsi, 11-year-old Tulsi, lives with her mum and dad in a travelling circus and she is a real magician. She comes from a long line of women magicians. Her mum accidentally disappears herself doing a magic <laughs> trick one night and Tulsi is the one who has to rescue her. I love that. Accidentally disappears yourself. I mean, that always happens, right? Always happens. (laughs) (laughs) Travelling circus, it's always a bit of a joke. You know, it was when I'm growing up, I'm going to run away and join the circus. You know, was that a sort of a thing for you or a dream or how did you feel about the circus when you were younger? Look, to be honest, I grew up in a country town and I didn't have much exposure to the circus. I think it was really as an adult when I moved here to Mullumbimby on the north coast of New South Wales, it suddenly circus sort of hoved into view, as it were. And I went to some mainstream circus. I went to some modern kind of more edgy circus. And it just, and I met a few circus performers and it just really came alive for me. And I just felt intrigued by it, the travelling lifestyle that's sort of moving around all the time. The fact it's often like families, like one circus, mainstream circus I saw here in Mullumbimby, There was like three or four generations all performing together and they'd been doing it, you know, this this boy I saw had been doing it since he was a baby. So I just, you know, it felt really ripe for uh, a really interesting story because it's fun, it's a bit, seems a bit glamorous from the outside, but in fact it's a lot of hard work and it's family. So I just always knew I wanted to write a story set in circus and then... I wanted a story with magic and nature and it all just fell into place. (laughs) I love that. And the circus does have that thing about it, doesn't it? The mysterious, the intriguing and, you know, all of that stuff because you're always looking in from the outside. You're looking in from the outside and there's also the backstage though, which Mm. you don't ever see. And there's the caravans and there's, they create this whole world. You turn up and they've just created this whole world just for you and then they're gone. Mm. You know, you drive by the showground the next week and there's no sign yeah, that they've flat. been there. And in the meantime, they've done amazing physical feats and they've done magic and they've made you laugh. So, yeah, it's it's just like 
such a great setting for a story. I mean, mm. I don't know if anyone's read Enid Blyton's Mr. Galliano Circus, but I read that to my daughter. Oh, I guess she was about five or six. And that just grabbed me like nothing else. <laughs> I loved it. I love that. And there is a bit of magic in creativity because you were saying, you know, when you go to the circus, we don't see the backstage, we see the amazing performances and everyone's glittery and shiny and whatever, and then they disappear. And it's similar with writing a book or painting a picture, all of that, you know, people see this beautiful, beautifully edited book, great cover design, you know, well thought out story and people think, oh, that must have taken them a week to write, you know, (laughs) but there's a lot people don't see behind the scenes in writing as well. Absolutely. It's a really good parallel, actually. And it's true. It's like there's with the the circus performers, like they've spent years and years perfecting their craft and then there's the performance on the night. And with writers, it's, you know, there's a lot of hard slog. There's a lot of just sitting at the by yourself at a desk trying to figure out how to solve the problem of what happens next. How can I maintain the dramatic tension? How can I keep this moving forward? How does my character change? Um, how do I weave this thing in? How do I tie up this little loose end without it being sort of contrived? Like there's just so much nutting out. The easiest bit by far is just the, I'm going to write a story about circus <laughs> with a bit of magic and a bit of nature. Like yeah, that, The idea that is bit, always the easy bit, right? That bit is easy. <laughs> then it's, and even the easy bit's the first draft. I mean, my first drafts are pretty messy and I really let them be messy and chaotic because you know, I free write all my first drafts. I'm a huge fan of free writing, uh, and which you know is just writing quite mm. fast and not worrying about it making sense particularly. <laughs> and um, that's the way I find the most interesting ideas bubble up when I'm free writing and I'm not sort of stopping and choosing my words and thinking ahead. But that bit's fun because I don't have to solve all the problems. It's the next draft where all the work comes in, and I'm trying to nut out the plot so the reader's drawn in and figure out who my character is. Although I have to say I'm writing a sequel to Big Magic at the moment and there's a lot to be said for writing a sequel because you already know your characters. You already know the (laughs) The tone of the voice. Yeah, you kind of got a real head start. Mm, It's really interesting, the the messy process. And I do think that the advantages to that are definitely getting those really good ideas that you might push back on if you're trying to make it perfect when you're starting to write. But does that mean your editing process is really intense? Well, I think, I mean, I was a real pantser, as they say, you know, you're either a plotter or a flyer by the seat of your pantser. I was a real pantser when I started. My first novel was just like pantsing all the way for several drafts. I'd say I sort of move in and out now. So I do a bit of planning and then a bit of pantsing or free writing, a bit of planning, a bit of free writing. So it's actually not too bad. Uh, I think I've sort of got enough experience now to slip into that free writing mode really easily I can just move in and out of it whereas once I had I couldn't do it so readily um but look I do a lot of edits I mean I think Big Magic I probably did about uh eight complete rewrites um and you know that's pretty normal for me in my novels so and when I say rewrite, I'm not meaning uh, tinkering, you know, I'm meaning big picture stuff like right. adding whole characters mm-hmm. or getting rid of whole characters or, you know, um, big magic. There was sort of a bit, it was a bit uneven. There's sort of two halves or two sections and um, they ne- the first section needed to be shorter and the sec- second section needed to be quite a bit longer. So I had to sort of invent all this other stuff to happen in the second section and, you know, 
contract the first section. So sort of big structural stuff too. Mm. Um, Not being afraid of doing that. You know, often people are afraid to edit their own work because, you know, they're scared to take away the words, but often then you end up with the same product with just a couple of different words here and there. So being able to really gut it, really do a proper rewrite, it gives you a, a better book, right? Totally. I think, you know, that I wouldn't call even call that rewriting the sort of fiddling mm-hmm. or tinkering with words. That's just like editing, if you like. Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah. that, I make that, those distinctions. Other, they're not necessarily sort of what other people use. But, mm. yeah, look, I think being, it's hard. I remember the first time I had to, you know, kill a darling, as it were, like pull mm-hmm. out a favourite sort of passage in Salt Rain, my first novel, um, and the editor at Alan and I wanted to said, you know, I'm not so sure about this. What do you think? In that very diplomatic way. <laughs> and uh, she was so right. It was, it was kind of like something I needed to write at the beginning of the process to mm-hmm. feel into the tone or something. But by the time I got to my, you know, fifth or sixth rewrite, I didn't actually need that sentence anymore because it had sort of spawned all yeah. this other stuff that was better. So um, that's just tinkering. The big picture stuff is has become easier and easier for me over the years. And I'm, look, to be honest, I just trust editors. Like I've had, you know, probably three, four different editors now. And my editor at Hardy Grant is Luna Sue and the publish, publisher is Marisa Pintado. And, you know, they're just so spot on. It's like they're so, they know exactly what I'm trying to do. They understand that. And I probably take, you know, 95% of their suggestions and I feel really grateful for Mm. their advice. And um, so it's not, I don't find it as hard as some writers do to make those big scale changes because if I feel like the story is getting better uh, and turning into a better version of itself, then I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. And as as long as everyone comes in with that intention, you know, if everyone goes in with the intention of making this the best book or best thing it can be, then feedback is okay. Totally, totally. and Welcomed, in fact. Absolutely. And the editors are actually super diplomatic in the way they put it, you know. Mm. Um, I maybe would not be a very good editor. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they couch it in a way that makes it very palatable in my experience. And, look, bottom line is they've they've already said, we want to publish this. So it's like <laughs> Don't that. Don't argue with it. That's that, right. That, but it's almost like that's a great big thing underlying mm. it where they're saying we really like this. And so, we believe in it. Yeah. 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 And it is a collaborative process. You know, I know on the book cover it's, you know, you and maybe an illustrator if you have one, but it's a, it is a real collaborative process between the book designer and the editor and all the other people involved in, um, you know, what it takes to create a book. So yeah. I think. And, yeah. Julia Murray did a beautiful Gold. The cover's amazing. Carver. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and a bit of gold foil. Can't go past a bit yeah. of gold foil. The colour's really nice too. Yeah. I really like the colours. It yeah. is a bit magical, the colours, I think. And, and it just feels like a real privilege to have an artist interpret, like she read the novel, obviously, mm. and to have her then interpret the story that I just sort of made up in my head and turn it into a, another artwork. It's like a love. Yeah, that. it's really special, isn't it? Yeah, mm. really. It is. Now you've written for adults and kids. What's where's the joy in writing for kids? Oh, just so much joy for me in writing for kids. It's a transition I've been really, really happy to make. I think um, when I when my I started reading to my daughter, um, I just was reminded how much 
I loved reading as a kid. I was a huge reader. We didn't have a television when I was growing up and we would make these quite epic trips to the library every week and come back, you know, with just mounds of books. So I was a really, really, really big reader. And it was like when I read to my daughter, I was taken back to that sense I had of the world when I was reading. Mm-hmm. It's There was sort of an immersive quality to the reading. There was a sense of all the possibilities that were awaiting me as a child. I don't know. I just, it's almost like I reconnected with that myself as mm-hmm. a as a young reader. And that was really uh, joyful. And I, look, I, to be honest, some of the novels I've written for adults, you know, they sort of have a bit of a, um, you know, there's a bit of a grim or a dark edge at times in them. I mean, not entirely. And I just, when you spend two or three or four years writing a novel and you're sort of in that, in those themes, you know, it, it gets hard. And I just really, really loved spending all that time, which, you know, Big Magic was probably sort of 18 months, sort of almost two years that sort of spread out with other things going on in between, in a really joyous world of magic and connection with nature and, you know, there are some you know, scary moments in it and some challenges and so on. But I just, I just really enjoy being in that world mm. of kids lit. And um, it's a great community. It's a great community. And it's sort of like I, in order to write a, an 11 year old character, I have to kind of take myself back to myself as I was at that age. And that's, that's really, that, I enjoy that. That was yeah. a good age for me. Mm. And kids, you know, even being with kids or going back to your childhood, it is a much more joyful space. And I think as adults, we forget to play and we forget to have fun because we're so often caught up in, you know, the serious business of being an adult. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Adulting is really hard going. Overrated. <laughs> totally overrated. <laughs> and so, yeah, I can really get to just be kid, you know, kiddish again when I'm writing it because yeah. I'm being too, I'm sort of feeling into Tulsi like every character I've ever written is partly me, <laughs> including the men, including the baddies, whatever, you know, they, I feel like I lend something of myself yeah, to of all course. of them. But, you know, Tulsi more so than many. And there was, yeah, just just great joy for me in mm. writing that. And, you know, as Amelia once said to me, we were reading a book and I was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. And she said, oh, don't worry, mummy. There's always a happy ending. <laughs> so that's what she had learned. All the books we'd ever read always had a happy ending, right? And wait till she gets to literary fiction. <laughs> yeah, wait till she gets to YA. But, uh, <laughs> yes. And so I really liked the idea of writing a book that, you know, where there has to be at least a hint of hope at the end. Yeah, of course. Um, my adult novels can tend, you know, was sort of the, the queen of the more ambiguous, ending. the ambiguous yes. open ending. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think kids, particularly now, need a bit of hope that everything's going to be okay. I think we I, all I do. need a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. We'll pat on the head. It's going to be okay. Oh, no. This will pass eventually. Now we're talking about the struggle of writing before the beautiful book comes out, but I see you in your beautiful writers group with Tristan Banks and Zanny Louise in this gorgeous church. Writing doesn't look hard for you at all, Sarah. Well, it's a very nice environment with very good people. I will give you that. We are super lucky. (laughs) I Uh, I have FOMO every time I see those pictures on Instagram. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We need to lay off posting. No, really. please don't. I love living vicariously through people. So keep post more. Look, it's it's really I 
you know, I used to be a journalist at the ABC, as you said, and so I was really used to working in a crowded newsroom with people shouting and blah, blah, blah. And then when I started writing novels, I really just wrote on my own. And it's actually been quite a revelation to me in the last few months that writing with other people, in other words, Zanny and Tristan, is makes me incredibly productive. It's mm. amazing. It's like we just talk when we get there, then we go and write for a few hours and then we might just have a cuppa and our lunch and a bit of a chat for, you know, 20 minutes, then we go back and write. And it's, you know, we're still, I'm still having to nut out all the tricky stuff, but there's something about just having other people's energy nearby. Mm. What, a, what a power team. Yeah, it's, right. it's yeah, they are really good writing. Buddies. I'd be there <laughs> leeching off everyone's amazing energy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's having, yeah, because writing is a solitary thing. Having mm. a community mm. is lovely. And I've got, as you just mentioned earlier, the Kidlet community is really lovely. Yeah, like this are. is something beautiful, I've also really supportive. enjoyed. Encouraging world. Yeah. yeah. I love how everyone celebrates each other's book because there is, you know, there's enough imagination and enough kids of the world that all the books will find their homes and find their way into the right kids' hands. And so I think it's really nice how everyone celebrates everybody else's um, books. It's a really nice place to be. I always say if the world was a bit more like the kid community, we'd have a nice, a really nice world. <laughs> we would be much better off. <laughs> much better off. So ruling the world now should be the book community for sure. Let's start that movement. <laughs> okay. Now, if you've listened to podcasts, as you've said, you would know this question coming up, Sarah. Why do you write? I think I write because I get, I feel like I get to know myself more through my writing. I think that I understand my place in the world and who I am and my values and I get to kind of explore issues that matter to me and explore my sensibilities if you like so connection with nature is something that I wanted to explore and um, you know big magic without kind of banging people over the head with it is really about nature and our connection to nature and so it's a way for me to explore things important to me. But I just, I, I can't imagine not writing. Like mm. even if someone, you know, some genie came down and said, you will never get another book published, <laughs> I would still write just mm. because there's something about that crafting of the words and, you know, I have something in my mind that I want to get across and trying to find the right words to do that is just, it's such a pleasure for me. Mm. And there's a bit of magic to it, isn't it? It's a bit of magic when you can get an idea and you can put it on the page and it comes out in this beautiful, beautiful Absolutely. book that other people can then interpret and read in their way. So there's That's magic right. in that. Because every book reader relationship is completely yeah. unique. Like every person who reads this will read it differently and have yeah. a different story in their mind yeah. and that to me is as you say completely magical yeah I love that I love I love that with any art you know once you've put it out into the world then everyone else kind of owns a little piece of it it's really Absolutely. nice and it's also different like there are books I read 10 years ago and if I reread them now I have a completely different experience in mm, yes so it's it changes yes, even for the one person. It does. And I'm scared actually to read books that I really really loved because yeah. I'm worried 
but I, I still want to love them forever. Yeah. And then you go back and you think, oh, I want to love this again as much as I did the first time. I, I, read. I will never read God of Small Things again for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, afraid that you won't love it as much. I've got a few favourite books and I think I should reread them. Like, I can't. They need to stay perfect in my mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is good because Love in the Time of Cholera is a really thick book. So it's a really <laughs> good excuse not to have to read that again, even though I love it. <laughs> Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about Big Magic. It's a beautiful book. I love, you know, the the circus, the magic, um, and then, the, you know, the deeper sort of themes and issues about, you know, the, the child and their mother. But I love, you know, how, how it's how those little quirky bits in it too, you know, um, the disappearing of yourself in a magic tree. Like that's, that's, that's where your free writing comes in, I think. So thank you so much for sharing um a piece of you know behind the scenes as well because i think that's really important for um, all of us to hear about instead of just thinking you know the book appears like magic there's a lot of work behind it so thank you (laughs) for sharing that thanks danny it's been a pleasure